We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Pop Torah with Rabbi Iznopf and Olitsky, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we look at the intersection of Judaism and pop culture. As always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I am Rabbi Michael Knopf. And apparently in today's episode, we're going to try to figure out what happened in Space Jam 2, A New Legacy. Mike, can you explain to me what I just watched? Whew. Oh boy. Okay. All right. Let's take the movie on its merits for a moment. Okay. I want to also acknowledge that we are great parents who watched this movie because our kids wanted to watch this movie and my kids loved it. Uh, my kids also loved it. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll also say I'll take the parent cred, but I loved the original space jam. It hit me right at the right time when I was yeah. growing up Uh big fan. Haven't watched it as an adult, thankfully. So I don't I rewatched it, it in preparation for this. And preparation. I believe I can fly still slaps. Uh, and the song, I used to have that soundtrack, by the way, like, welcome to the space jam. We got a real jam. Oh, by the way, Jesse, what's a jam? <laughs> you know, like jock jams. No, no, I like, that's a music jam. But like, has anybody ever called a game of basketball a jam? Like, have you, did you ever go to your friends, like growing up and be like, hey, let's go to the court and have a jam? No, but I wasn't one who was often invited to play basketball. So people may be jamming and I just haven't been invited. Okay. All right. One of the many mysteries of both the original Space Jam and this one is, uh, is, is who has ever called basketball jam, except for the video game NBA jam. Um, but I'm not sure that they were talking about like a game called a jam. Like it was like, it was like sort of like a mashup kind of game of NBA jam. And that's, by the way, that's a good segue to the premise of this movie. Um, So LeBron James, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, or one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Uh, I guess this is a fictionalized version of LeBron James uh, and a fictionalized version of his family, his young son, Dom, uh, uh, LeBron wants him to, you know, grow up to be a basketball star just like him. Dom uh, has other plans. He wants to be a video game designer. He's designed a video game that looks astonishingly like the video game NBA Jam, uh, which I used, also used to love. Um, but he has uh, created this uh, video game. He wants to be a video game designer. Uh, LeBron thinks that that is a, a big waste of time, not serious and wants uh, Dom to put away the video games and to focus on basketball. Because basketball, Uh, that's not a waste of time. That's serious. That's serious. In in between those four lines, Jesse, it's work. Um, And and I get, listen, as as two people who um, arguably have uh, turned a hobby into a career, um, I, I, you know, I kind of get where he's coming from, but um, that's maybe a, a different dimension of this conversation so anyway uh dom wants to make video games lebron wants him to be a basketball player uh uh they go to a meeting at warner brothers 
where Warner Brothers pitches this algorithm where uh, uh, they could scan LeBron and basically insert LeBron into any Warner Brothers intellectual property. Um, so you could have, you know, LeBron starring in Harry Potter. You could have LeBron starring in The Matrix. You could have LeBron starring in uh, Batman, on and on and on. Uh, can we LeBron- pause here just to discuss that that is essentially the entire movie? Just talking about all of the Warner Brothers IP. Correct. So I think among the things that we could talk about is, you know, the the Jewish ethics of this blatant cash grab by Warner Brothers to try to cash in on its intellectual property. We talked about this when we talked about Zack Snyder's Justice League, um, how Warner Brothers, uh, Henry Bernstein pointed this out, uh, who was with us for that conversation, pointed out that the Warner Brothers has all this great intellectual property and, you know, clearly know that it's worth something but have no clue how to use it. Um, and so, you know, so they make a movie that basically looks like a theme ride of, of Warner Brothers greatest hits. Uh, and, and, you know, they uh, think that's going to juice their, their IP. Maybe it will. I don't know. Anyway. So yes. So the, uh, the algorithm, LeBron doesn't like this idea, walks out of the meeting. The algorithm is peeved by it. The algorithm played by the great Don Cheadle, who is the only one in this movie who like knows what they're there for and what they need to be doing uh, in this film. Uh, he's the villain of the film, uh, Al G Rhythm, classic. Um, sucks them into the computer, sucks them into the, the server-verse, uh, which is the name of this Warner Brothers algorithm server that, that uh, has been created. Um, and, uh, and, and makes a deal with LeBron. I wish people could see me because it's a podcast. They can't see me shaking my head. They they can't. And uh, as you're saying this, and I felt, I felt really dumb watching this movie and now talking about the plot of this movie. It's just, it just boggles my mind. Anyway, the, um, for some reason, the, the, uh, the algorithm, uh, makes a deal with LeBron and says, I will let you go with your son if you can beat me in a basketball game using a team of your choosing. But if I win the basketball game, um, you and your son get to have to stay part of the server verse forever, I think, or something like that. Why, if he had that much power, he couldn't have just trapped them there against their will without the basketball game? I don't really know. I guess because there wouldn't have been a movie otherwise. Anyway, they... um, but even though he says that he's able to pick the team that he wants, he banishes him to uh, the Looney Tunes part of the serververse, where he meets up with, uh, with Bugs Bunny, uh, who helps LeBron assemble a team of the other Looney Tunes. They become the Toon Squad. And the other tunes, right? They were in different parts of the serververse. They were no longer in uh, uh, the Looney Tunes version. I think right. that also speaks to... Warner Brothers acknowledging that the Looney Tunes aren't on TV anymore. There aren't new Looney Tunes shows. And I think this was maybe an attempt to bring them back for new a new generation. I would say tragically, there are not Looney Tunes shows now. Although my kids uh, discovered the Looney Tunes, the like original Looney Tunes ca- uh, cartoons, like the Mel Blanc Looney Tunes um, on HBO Max. And uh, now it's among their favorite shows. So uh, we've got that going for us. And they, they also, they love all the Warner Brothers properties, apparently. Uh, Scooby-Doo, Warner Brothers property. They're totally into Scooby-Doo. Um, Flintstones. 
Yeah. So they, they, you know, my kids are, are here for the Looney Tunes. Um, they were, they spent the first half hour of the movie saying like, um, Abba is, isn't Bugs Bunny going to be in this movie? Because the first, the, like the, the Looney Tunes were not in the movie for the first like half of the movie. Oh man. Okay. Sorry. I need to finish giving the synopsis of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the algorithm uh, makes a team of other NBA and WNBA stars juiced up with this uh, uh, NBA jam style game that Dom makes, puts Dom on his team and they play the game. This, uh, this, this crazy rigged game that doesn't play by basketball rules for some reason um, uh, that also, if it doesn't play by basketball rules and plays by the algorithms rules, then uh, then why couldn't the algorithm just totally engineer it to win the game in the, anyway, uh, the stands get filled by other intellectual property from the Warner Brothers, including like the Droogs from A Clockwork Orange and King Kong. Fly yes. Monkey from Wizard of Oz. Right, you, right. You had uh, Catwoman from Batman Returns. And Mr. Freeze. The, from, the Adam uh, West version of Batman the series. Right. I actually believe Pennywise the Clown. Pennywise the Clown. Uh, I saw. Don't the they understand Penguin. this is a kid's movie? <laughs> I, I saw the penguin from Batman Returns. I saw Mr. Freeze from Batman and Robin. Oh man. Um, <laughs> and then of course, like everybody else in the world who uh, got an alert on their phone that LeBron James was playing this game in a, uh, in virtual reality, um, got sucked in to the server too. And they were in the stands. Anyway, uh, there is a redemption story of LeBron, uh, kind of, uh, decide learning how to let his son be his son learning how to let the looney tunes be the looney tunes um and uh, and then they end up uh, winning the basketball game and everything gets put right in the world and the movie of course ends with uh with lebron embracing um his son's uh, video game design jesse help me make sense of space jam a new legacy i'm not sure i can um, I will highlight the best part of the movie. The best part of the movie was when they were like down by a thousand points at halftime. And they said, you know who we need? We need Michael Jordan because he was who led the tune squad to victory uh, the last time. By the way, and the only, the only like indication that there was that, like, this wasn't a sequel to the original space no, jam. It was, it was like, like a, a reboot. reboot. It's a yeah. reboot. <sighs> okay. But so then they, they're announcing him, right? And they say, uh, so Sylvester so recruits the original Toon Squad member, but actually it's a Michael B. Jordan, not Michael Jordan. That was super funny, especially when Michael B. Jordan, who was in Friday Night Lights, says, uh, full, uh, clear, clear eyes, full hearts. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't can't lose. Lose. That was kind of awesome. Um, other than that, I have no idea what I saw. Um, it was, I think, an attempt to push Warner Brothers IP. Um, it like if it's a kid movie, then why is Game of Thrones in there? Why is you know Clockwork Orange in there? Why is the the clown from It in there? Uh, that didn't make any sense. Mad Max Fury Road. Right. I'm not even sure they knew what to do with the Looney Tunes because they no. were in cartoon form. And then they're like, oh no, we're not sure kids are going to be interested in that because everything's in CGI. So they like CGI assized them for um, 
the main basketball form of the movie. But then when the Toon Squad won, all of a sudden they go back to being 2D cartoons right away. Ultimately, it's a movie, I would say, about, as, as you said, about family relationships and how parents try to push themselves on their children and don't embrace what their children's wants and needs are. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in a recent episode when we discussed the Mitchells versus the Machines and the parent-child relationship there. I think you saw a little bit of this here, not done nearly as well. There's also a conversation about technology and the role of technology. What Warner Brothers was suggesting this uh, algae rhythm um, was not so far-fetched. By the way, that's a play on algorithm for those who haven't been following along. Oh, I thought it was a riff on Ali G. <laughs> I believe that's also owned by Warner Brothers at HBO. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're, they're, they did this when they created a um, Princess Leia for Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Um, and, and it was totally CGI, but they sort of recreated her and they talked about doing something similar for Chadwick Boseman for the next Black Panther until his estate said, no, we are, we are not allowing that. And so the idea of just scanning somebody's body and using him forever for other intellectual properties is not the craziest idea, especially somebody like Warner Brothers who has no idea how to use their intellectual property. I appreciate that they acknowledge that they'd be willing to do this. This isn't like a right. silly scheme, but this is like something they would totally be into if they could make money. Um, the, I, the movie did kind of have that sense. Like we're, we're going to float this as a possibility to see if it, to see if it sticks. Like we're going to start normalizing this. Yeah. I think ultimately what happens also LeBron James sees his family, his fictional family in the film um, differently, right? He wants to support his son and his son, right? He understands that basketball should be about fun, not just about the work. And his son at the end of the game appreciates his father. Um, and I wasn't sure at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, if Bugs Bunny died because Bugs Bunny like glitches out. And so he like dies, but then he appears in the real world. Um, why? I don't really understand that. Like that would have yes. been a bold move if they killed off Bugs Bunny. That would have been a bold move. Yeah. Uh, listen, th that is among many of the logical problems of this movie. Uh, in addition to this fact, uh, it doesn't take place in space. I mean, the, the original Space Jam also- Cyberspace. Yeah, right. The, the original Space Jam also didn't take place in space. So I suppose that like you could say, well, that was a problem with the original too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I was, you know, I guess I was like eight when the original, or, uh, no, I was, I think 12 when the original came out. Um, that hit um, me at just the right time, by the way. Like I was, I was like right in, I was right in the sweet spot for the original Space Jam. I was its target audience. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, this movie opening weekend, it uh, in theaters, and this is including this is not even including the HBO Max streaming. It knocked Black Widow out of the the top spot in the box office for what it's worth. So people were interested in seeing it. Who are those people? I don't know. If this was not available for free for me on HBO Max, I don't think I would be seeing this film. Um, 
for what it's worth also that apparently they were talking about a sequel to Space Jam for a number of years, but couldn't get Michael Jordan to agree to come back. And they talked about doing some crazy stuff with Jeff Gordon at one point, Tiger Woods at one point, Tony Hawk at one point, and then eventually settled on a LeBron James, James reboot. Um, I did appreciate how it like much like the original, uh, how the original Space Jam focused on um, a fictionalization of Michael Jordan with his fake family and his career and not making his high school basketball team and all that stuff. Similar to this, th- this focus on, you know, the initial opening credits was uh, LeBron's life that led to this moment. What value, what Torah can we teach? Can we derive from, from Space Jam? Well, listen, I think that you're right. I think that the that the movie, you know, uh, uh, highlights, uh, I, I wouldn't say explores, but I would say highlights um, a, a really important challenge that, that, that many of us face that I think that, you know, Judaism has, has what to say about, um, which is, you know, the expectations that parents have uh, for their children, um, how we often, you know, uh, want our our children to embrace the things that we embrace, love the things that we love, and 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 in doing that, we often turn them away from those very things because we uh, we we uh, put so much pressure. Uh, on them to love those things that it that it ends up turning them away, um, and then uh, you know the the other aspect of it is um, is you know uh, not just for our children but for the others around us um, to uh, to appreciate people for who they are rather than who you wish they were, um, and and then also you know, to, uh, to, to find the joy in what you do and not just the work in what you do. Um, so I think that, that you know, any of those themes are, are worth exploring. And then there's, you know, kind of like subtext themes of, of the movie that um, are, 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 are interesting, right? Intriguing. Uh, some of these were raised in Mitchell's versus Machines too, right? Our relationship to technology, right? Sure. There's a, a throwaway line in the movie. It's like, yeah, if you've had a, if you had a camera on, you know, on any device, I've seen you says the, says the algorithm, right? If you had your microphone and I'm going on, to I've zap you. you in through your phone into this world as a result. Right. No, listen, that, I mean, that's, that's a sort of like old technological anxiety, you know, that we've had I mean, it's at least as old as uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Uh, but, uh, but it's also present in Tron too, right? This idea that like, you know, that, that, that these machines that we've created could consume us. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I, I do think that that's also present in, uh, in uh, Jewish tradition too. I mean, arguably that's the, uh, that's one of the messages of the, uh, Tower of Babel story, right? That our that our pursuit of technological innovation um, can can lead to our own downfall. Um, that we start to devalue each other and uh, prioritize our our technology and and our innovations. Um, uh, and uh, and that it's it's perhaps one of the reasons why we have Shabbat, right? That we that we deliberately take a step back from our technical mastery over the world to to ask ourselves like is this something we should be doing, right? Not to get trapped in the treadmill of progress, but to step off of it from time to time and say, you know, where are we going? 
Right. Is what we are doing adding any value to this world? Right. That's ultimately right. the question that, that we are left asking. What are we doing to add value to this world? Um, does the work that we put in between those four lines of the basketball court add value to this world, LeBron? I don't know. Does the technology we create add value to the world? Maybe. Um, if it's a Warnerverse to sell you know, our, all of our intellectual property, I don't know about that either. But that's ultimately the question at the root of this. What are we doing to add value to this world? Um, and to embrace that, to, to push that. And I think the lesson that we could learn from the Looney Tunes, which uh, is a lesson that I missed, um, especially after the, the past year and a half that we've all experienced, is don't take this world so seriously. Have fun more. Uh, like, don't focus on on the X's and the O's and, and the the strict rules, um, but have fun. And I will say that that is a, a critique that I've often heard of some within the conservative movement, that you just focus on the letter of the law and sometimes forget the meaning behind the law. Ultimately, this wasn't a basketball game. And that's why his son could compete. And that's why Bugs Bunny could compete and Daffy Duck. It's because it was about fun and about finding meaning enjoy in the moment doesn't matter if you're following halakha to the t if you don't have joyful jewish experiences yeah so who cares if uh they had a a thousand point you know jump shot or something like that they were enjoying what they were doing and that was how they were able to win that i believe you call it a space jam a space jam uh yeah i i think that that's a, a really good point i mean it 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 it, it evokes one of the frustrations I have both with the original Space Jam, but I didn't feel it quite when I watched that as a kid, but I definitely felt it with this, that um, it's, a, it's a, a, a misuse of the Looney Tunes to put them into a movie about a basketball game uh, because like their MO is, um, is, is anarchy <laughs> essentially, right? And, and basketball is a very ordered and disciplined you know, game with a lot of uh, boundaries and a lot of rules and putting them into that box um, is is just you know uh, not doing a service to those characters. To its credit, I mean that's a that's a plot point of the movie that that LeBron needs to kind of like let the Looney Tunes be the Looney Tunes. Um, and I think you know we we actually uh, and let uh, his son be his son, and let his son be his son exactly. Uh, and um, you know and, and you know what LeBron uh, I think realizes is that you know he he does basketball as a job. Uh, but he started to do basketball because he loved it and he does the job because he loves the game. Right. And, and, and that's ultimately, I think you're, you're exactly right. It, it is Torah that we um, uh, that, that was needed, but hard to embrace this year. Um, it's, it's present in the book of Ecclesiastes. We actually, uh, this is a, our second recording of the day. We talked about Loki um, in our last recording. And, uh, and we talked about the book of Ecclesiastes there where, where the message of Ecclesiastes is, listen, ultimately nothing matters because everything is always the same. Everything is gonna you know, reset, uh, time is a circle. And so the, the only thing there really is to do is to enjoy this life. Right. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Tomorrow is going to bring whatever it brings. Like, enjoy what you have right now. So is that the lesson from this movie that we should have fun and focus on that, which is fun and not the quote unquote work so much? 
I'm not so sure about that. I think that, you know, part of what it might be saying is because I, I mean, that's obviously incomplete advice, right? Um, you, you, nobody can just live their lives, you know, uh, uh, doing what feels good and, and having fun all the time. I mean, first of all, you know, there's like the lasagna principle, right? So if I, I like lasagna or pizza, but if I do nothing but eat lasagna or pizza, it's going to eventually like lose its um, value to me over time. It's it, the joy of it's going to get sucked out over time. So there's, there's obviously balance that needs to happen. And maybe that is the message of the movie, but if that's the message of the movie, then it was a really juvenile message. Um, cause I think that you do need that balance. You can't, uh, but I think it is saying like, even the things that are not enjoyable, even the things that are work, can you find joy in them? Can you, uh, can you be present in those activities in such a way that, um, that, that, that enables them uh, not to feel laborious, not to feel uh, tedious, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, so, so to me, like the, you know, for LeBron in his character arc at the beginning of the movie, um, you know, it's, it's very not, uh, or a mindset that's very not oriented to the present, right? You know, the, 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 the goal uh, is to like continue getting better so that you can win championships. And then when you win championships, you'll be a superstar. You'll be remembered as the greatest. And when you're remembered as the greatest, you have, right. And go on and on. And, and it's, and it's this kind of, you know, spiral of, you know, what's going to happen down the line, what's going to happen in the future. And that robs the present moment of any joy that it could have. So, you know, practicing basketball is definitely work, but the question is like, uh, um, how do you experience that when you're doing it too, as part of the equation? Well, right. It's also uh, the lesson that there, what's most important is um, family, right? That's, that's what he ultimately learned. Um, it's, it's sort of, right. It's the story about uh, Zussia, right. He said on his deathbed, he's not going to be asked, why weren't you more like Moses? Why weren't you more like Joshua? But Zussia, why weren't you more like Zussia? It's that, um, LeBron's legacy isn't going to be in how many titles he wins or whether he was the, and is the best basketball player of all time. He actually pokes fun at himself. Uh, and that question in the movie, which I give him credit for his legacy is going to be in his family uh, and spending more time with his family uh, and less time at, at work, you know, not to make this tragic, but we noticed that uh, one of the reasons Kobe wanted to retire when he did was so that he could spend more time with his family uh, and in spending time with his family. Um, it was tragic. He, he and his child tragically died in a helicopter crash, but it was realizing that he wasn't able to see his children grow up when he was on the basketball court and retired so that he could spend more time doing that. Right. Uh, which you know re reminds me that the, the another movie that's that Space Jam: A New Legacy has been compared to is Hook, um, which uh, which the, the theme of Hook um, in a very similar uh, plot, uh, you know, is uh, is Peter Pan, you know, learning how to how to appreciate uh, um, uh, and have fun with his life and appreciate his kids more and, and let them be kids um, and not uh, force them to take their life too seriously. Um, also, you know, a, a movie that came out, I think uh, maybe a couple of years before Space Jam and had a similar uh, um, lasting impact on me. Sure. Um, as, as, as a parent, how did this movie uh, hit you? My, my kids, by the way, there were a few moments, especially at the end where like they know my like uh, my triggers for crying in movies because I just notoriously cry in, in anything. This one, sense. I will say, was bad enough 
that it did not trigger the waterworks. My, my son looked at me. He's like, Abba, shouldn't you be crying right now? And I was right. like, I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. Um, so as a, as a father, how did Space Jam strike you uh, on its merits? I don't know. It, it helps. I, I need to refocus every once in a while. And it's important to have that reminder to, you know, turn off my email, to turn off my devices and to not focus as much on work so I could be fully present with my children, and with my family. And I think that that was, uh, and it's certainly an important reminder and takeaway I could take from this movie. Um, but ultimately I, I think uh, it's, it's a lesson that's, I enjoyed watching it with my son because he enjoyed watching it and that was enough. I thought it was a like movie that was not needed that did not add anything to the worlds. Um, and uh, no offense to LeBron because I actually thought LeBron was hilarious and train wrecked. Uh, but uh, this, this wasn't a good movie. But well, listen, I think you I mean you could say that it did add something to the world, right? It provided an opportunity for you and your son to spend time together in, in uh, that is in, that is true. Right. Or a way that that was you know may have been less significant to you, but was significant to him. Like he, you know, arguably he could have that memory for a long time of of sitting down and watching this movie with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, I think about I listen, I I I resonated with LeBron's character. I think about it a lot with how I um uh, uh, relate to my kids vis-a-vis -vis Judaism. You know, I, I, I like, I, I want so badly for them to love Judaism the way that I do, um, for them to learn Judaism um, and, and to, to be knowledgeable and literate and, and, to, and to feel empowered in their own Jewish lives. Um, and, and sometimes I feel like actually the better strategy would be to pretend like I don't care about it at all. Um, because, uh, because, you know, the, the more, um, it, you know, I think the perception is that like, you know, uh, we push, you know, and, and it feels like work that they have to do, the less inclined they're going to want to be to, uh, to embrace it. Sure. So are you equating your relationship with Judaism to LeBron's relationship with basketball? Uh, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if LeBron feels the same way about basketball that I feel about Judaism, but he's, he's dedicated his life to basketball and I've dedicated my life to, to Judaism and the Jewish people. I'm not yeah. necessarily drawing a moral equivalence between those things. Although I imagine that his bank account is uh, much, much more flush than mine. So he may, <laughs> uh, he arguably made the better choice. I don't know. You need to, uh, to win a few more championships first. That's the problem. Right. All right. So with that, Check out That's all, folks. Check out Spaceship A New Legacy if you want. And um, yeah. <laughs> Until next time, I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I am Rabbi Michael Knopf. And welcome to the Space Jam. That's all, folks.